0: Hello, I'm Ben Shaw, and this is Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. As I record this, Cyril Deramo is preparing his kayak for departure from Horseshoe Cove. It's Fort Baker, just under the north end of the Golden Gate Bridge. On Monday, May 31st, at 5 a.m., he'll paddle Out the Gate, headed across the Pacific on the solo kayak adventure to Hawaii. French-born Cyril now lives in the Bay Area, and it's here, after living all over the world, that he picked up paddling, getting his start at the Tamalpais Outrigger Canoe Club, also based right there in Horseshoe Cove. He's been paddling about a decade, and in that time, he's raced across the Molokai Channel in Hawaii, paddled the Cal 100, 100-mile canoe race down the Sacramento, done the 444-mile Yukon River Quest race in Canada twice, and in 2016 skippered a four-man row from California to Hawaii. That team received no support or assistance during the 2400-mile trip, and they ended up setting a world record time of 39 days, 9 hours, and 56 minutes. Now Cyril's setting out to do the same crossing, this time all alone. I met up with Cyril in Sausalito a couple weeks ago so he could show me his boat and we could sit down and discuss his journey to this point and the ins and outs of his current attempt. It's a wild ride, so enjoy.
1: I always start by saying it in French because it's in my heart. That's where I was born. <laughs> it's in your voice uh, too. Yeah, and also <laughs> say that I'm sorry because I didn't choose it, but <laughs> <laughs> no apologies. Uh, yes, then. no. I I was born there, in a very very tiny little village, 5,000 inhabitants, and tiny, a little bit rustic, a little bit uh, in the countryside. Not much happened, and and I think these are my roots. Very good family. My. I've got three, four siblings, three brothers, and one sister, and that was the start of it, And until I grew my wings. And yeah,
0: so are your siblings still back in France?
1: Uh, yeah, there's one that lives here in San Francisco, in okay. Pacifica, I- exactly. Ah. And uh, so I'm really lucky to have him around here. And yeah. I've got uh, all the other ones in France, one in Bordeaux, and the other ones are from the north of France. I'm from Lille. So
0: you say you grew your wings. What do you think it was that made you want to go out into the world?
1: Um, so my personality I think I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram I'm a type 7 so I'm enthusiastic I love people I'm extrovert so I'm naturally drawn to discovering and but here's what happened okay that's the funny (laughs) part when I was 18 I told you I was in a family I was like a cocoon right yeah in some ways I was a little bit too cocoony and I was lacking maturity so at my baccalaureate I was a 12th grade equivalent say okay well you could go to university but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Maybe engineer. I liked math. I didn't know. And my parents said, well, why don't you take a year off? And you, maybe you could go as an exchange student overseas. Where do you want to go? Oh, America. I want to go to America. America." And in my head, it was like literally Los Angeles. You know, you go to the beach, you have your beach cruiser, <laughs> you have your surfboard, you go roller skating, and the blonde comes here and like, says, hello, hello. You know, <laughs> I ended up in Arkansas. <laughs> 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 okay, a little different. But that matched me because it was, it's a, it's a natural state, right? Yes. And I, I loved hunting back then I, and love nature. And uh, the family that hosted me was so nice and the welcoming of the, the South, you know, the, the Midwest. So I had a, an amazing time. And that's when I decided, not decided, but I realized that, well, I love to be in a foreign country. I love to learn a new language. Uh-huh. Um, I love to be in an environment that is, it's not that it's not friendly, but that is different than my own filter. Uh And I want to do more of that. So then I decided, okay, I got to do an international school for business. And that's, uh, so I started this five-year program, which is great because it was a year in Oxford, Mm -hmm. uh, in England, and and an internship in London for three months, and then a year in Madrid, and three months I did in in Argentina, and, and then another year in Paris. Back then, we had to do our military service in France. Instead, if you have a master's degree, instead of going and doing like a military, you could work for a French company overseas. And that's a great program because the company gets a a master's degree that doesn't have experience, but helps him overseas. So I I moved to Italy, in Milan. And it's a a threesome, I was going to (laughs) say. Sorry, I'm French, I told you I was going to say, I'm sorry, I'm French. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the government pays the company for the company it's free okay and sorry the government pays me uh and uh, the company oh, so has the company doesn't have to pay you they no get free they don't labor yeah free labor for one year and i help the french government in some ways i'm still helping the french country by helping the french companies overseas to grow there so sure. and then you know they have a, a guy who has a master's degree i have to learn language so for me it's great it's it's like win-win-win that was a year and a half I learned and Italian. That
0: was, oh, that was in Italy, right. Yeah, in Milan, yeah. yeah.
1: But after that, I was not really ready to work yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I wanted to travel. So I organized with a friend who did a trip around the world for one year. All South America, all Central America, Southeast Asia, backpacking. Wow. The budget was $7,000. <laughs> Can I you imagine? If, what year was this? Uh, 2002. Okay. I was 25. And then I came back and then everybody, you know, all my colleagues in the business school were like working for Morgan Stanley in London and like making money, head over heels, whatever, and buying their first Audi and stuff. I was like, okay, I'm not ready. I'm I'm having fun. And so I was in love with Brazil and I said, I'm moving to Brazil. And I wanted to learn Portuguese as well. I love the country. And I went there and I was teaching English in a tiny little town playing soccer. Soccer had been my sport since childhood okay imagine brazil italy england spain france all this is soccer i would go anywhere play soccer and have make friends that was perfect and then i went back to france for one year and i got bored about this (laughs) frenchy so i found a job in the wine business and they sent me in argentina so i moved to mendoza for a year and a half and opened a subsidiary for barrel company okay and that's how I got into the wine business. So I stayed there in Mendoza for a year and a half. I loved Argentina, the yeah. Argentinians. And unfortunately, I'm not going to go into details, but I had to come back to France. Then I, had, I was, I was uh, in a fiancé, so uh, you know, engaged with an American. She was from California. And at some point, we got engaged. We got a first kid and was looking to go back to America. And I was in the wine business. And this company from south of France said, well, do you want to take care of our subsidiary in, up here in Santa Rosa? So Banco, let's go. And I came here. I worked six years in that company and working in consulting. So I was helping. So I wasn't a winemaker, but I had very expert uh, colleagues that I was managing. And we were helping winemakers bake better wine. Got it. And that's it. I moved here. And been here ever since? Yeah, 10 years now, 12 years. So what is it about the Bay
0: Area that's kept you here? It sounds like you've moved around well, a little bit. Right. This is, well, is this the longest you've ever been in one place?
1: yeah totally uh i had been changing country every year for 10 years yeah and then you know i got a kid a second kid yeah and then it's time to settle down and <laughs> yeah and you know go to go to work come back and, and, and enjoy kids playing soccer and that was fine but after a while i mean it it's me not to, not to go on adventures yeah so a friend of mine said hey it's it's called the Temalpais Club right here in under Fort Baker uh-huh. under the Golden Gate. Yeah. And he says, well, why don't you come and paddle with us? There's uh, this outrigger club. Ah. It's an OC six, so it's Polynesian canoe, and we're six in the canoe. We can go around Angel, and it's gonna be fun. So had I you paddled ever before? No. So that was t- 12 years ago. I was, I did some windsurf, in France. Okay. Uh, when we used to go in Brittany, in yeah. the west west of France during the summers but that that was it paddling never yeah. so we started paddling and do small races 8 miles 10 miles 12 miles and then the holy grail was a Molokai Hoe. I don't know if you're familiar with that race I've heard of it so it's but explain it for uh, th- so who it's who a six-man know. canoe race from the island of Molokai Molokai to Oahu so you arrive in Honolulu in Waikiki Beach and you cross the Kaiwi Channel so it's about 42 miles 43 miles so that's a six-hour race and then I was like, well, how do I train for this? I have no clue. And then the guys say, okay, this is what you have to do. You have to come train two, two or three weeks, times a week. And this is nutrition. This is hydration, electrolytes, and all these words I just learned. Uh-huh. And I had a blast at first. I think it was 2009, maybe a year after I had started paddling. Loved it. I want to do it again. I do it in, tw- in 2010. Loved it. I'm going to do it again. Same six guys? Well, different guys. It, okay. It's actually nine people. We're okay. six in the boat, but we do water change. So we, ah, got we it. change okay. guys every 20 minutes. We change uh, some people. Anyway, so I did these races, 43 miles. And now there's another race. It's called the California 100. Mm-hmm. It's 100 miles down Sacramento River. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, guys, let's do this. <laughs> so I did it with my friend Johnny. Went down. It's a 12-hour paddle for 100 miles. Same. Again in outriggers? That one was a a two-man river canoe. Okay. Yeah, it's the same technique, more or less, paddling technique. Did great. Had an awesome time. Pushed your limit a bit more. Yeah. And then that's when I said, all right, there's this race up in Canada. It's called the Yukon River Quest. (laughs) Guys, (laughs) let's do this. (laughs) So I was always the little spark at the beginning. You sound to me like you're always looking for the next thing. Never quite satisfied. (sighs) Well, I was satisfied, but I had a blast. And then you could do this race two or three times. You don't get the same feeling as you did the first time because it's new. It's, yeah. m- it's more of an adventure if it's a different race. Sure. Okay. So, Yukon River Quest, 444 miles. How do you do this? You paddle 45 hours. Almost. Yeah, there's two stops. so The first leg is 24 hours. How do you paddle 24 hours in a row? I mean, this is nuts. How many people is this one? So, we did first on a Voyager. So that's six men. Okay. And we did 45 hours. All right. Then I did another race, the same race with a uh, four-man. And it's a bit longer because you're less power, right? Yeah. And that was a blast. I think we did 48 hours or something. And hmm. I did it again on a two-man with Galen, the owner of Citra, a big buddy here. And we did, I think, 56 hours. But we went for the adventure. It was a blast. Anyway, I yeah. love that race. It's called the, uh, the race of the midnight sun because you start at noon. Uh-huh. And it's so far far north that in july there's almost no night so you start at 11 p.m no you start at noon 11 p.m the sun goes down and then it gets dark for at midnight maybe for an hour and the sun goes up again oh, it's fantastic fantastic across <laughs> this big lake of leg La berge just that it's for three miles it's it's the same at the Molokaiho. i remember i mean those guys it's a different level because the first leg is 24 hours I remember we did two Molokai, so 80 miles. And the guy said, okay, come on, guys. There's only two Molokais left, and we <laughs> we, we stop."
0: Whoa. All of these races we're talking about so far, the Molokai, you're between two islands. So you're in the ocean, but yeah. you're between two islands. The, the others are rivers. Then you have the Great Pacific Race. Yeah.
1: Now well, this is uh, seems to be a different a beast. Yeah, but it's not even a beast because... Well, by then I I n- acknowledge that okay I'm pretty good to keep going, right? And then you see you know mental strength. I mean, they call it mental strength. It's it's not this wrong name. It's, it's, I think it should be called mental flexibility, okay. mental adaptability. Because strength would be oh give me ten push up, give me ten more. Right? Give, you know that that's what you think I'm strong. You know? No, no, no. It's it's flex. It's changing the reality in such a way that your brain and your body accept it you know it could be like pouring rain four o'clock in the morning and you'd be miserable you know like you may be you know cramping and you have to make it so that it's bearable so you could look at the sun and wow the sun's beautiful nature so you bring all these positive energies and i was pretty good at that looking at the world in a different way you know i'm, I'm pretty optimistic but yeah. everybody has a different technique you might you might be more of a warrior kind of type and say okay bring it on now. I don't care. I'm not hurt. I, you know, everybody has a different way of doing ultra endurance events. But I noticed I was pretty good. And I stumbled upon this website that started a race of ro- rowing from Monterey. So down like three hours from here, right? Right. Monterey to Hawaii. And the website says, you don't have to be a rower to row an ocean. I say, well, really? So <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> looked, I called a guy. His name is Chris Martin, uh, a British guy who had rowed from Japan to... To the San Francisco Golden Gate. So, I guess you know, the guy must know what he means. And what he means really is that it's all in the head. Uh. After a while, you need to know the technique, obviously, because yeah. you do it a thousand times, a million times. But what will keep you going is, is what happens between the two ears, right? So, anyway, I said, okay, I'm going to sign up for the 2014 race with my friend Roman from Monterey, who's a paddler as well. And so, we, we got two years to learn how to row up, learn. Through classes of sculling, and uh, and then I bought this like secondhand, like $500 fishing boat, like made of fiberglass, and I built my own rowing seat. And I moved here with a, as a friend for a few months in a in a houseboat, so here, I could and go. And we're r- sitting
0: in Sausalito. You're pointing over to the houseboats. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, the houseboat, beautiful. And then I could get on my boat, paddle, row, any <laughs> Wake time. Wake up, roll day out of bed, get in your yeah, boat. Yeah, <laughs> any kind <laughs> of it. day or night or whatever. Learn how to row unfortunately i couldn't find the money so mm. 2014 is out the window a friend of mine says you know the ocean's always going to be here maybe there's a reason blah, blah blah again mental flexibility change change your wind change okay it's not meant to happen it's not happening so there's a team of two french guys that were coming to california i said look i'm not doing it that was in december for june i don't have the money i can't have a boat i'm going to be your support crew so from then on i was their logistical support i helped them install the boat the boat got here you know, get everything installed, learn about the radio, the, the, G- the water maker and the, the Eperb. you know, safety, all that stuff. And then two years later, the goal would be, OK, in two years, that's going to be me in that boat. You know, it kind of flows. And that's, that's why I want to go through this whole thing, because it's not like I woke up one day, I'm going to cross the ocean. Right. It's little by little, it's thresholds until you say, OK, I've done that things start to align
0: in the right way and the pieces come into
1: place. The first race I did here was along Chrissy Field. It's called Around the Rock. It's an Alcatraz race. It was a novice race, maybe two months after I started paddling. It was eight miles, so that's about 45 minutes of racing. I didn't know anything. I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and did my pasta because I heard about carb loading. (laughs) (laughs) You know? That's how much I knew about racing. And now I'm so like dialed in on everything about nutrition, knowing your body, knowing, you know, feeling anything prevent- preventative. Like knowing when I feel like, oh, I'm getting cold, it's, it could be potentially, you know, right. uh, damaging for me, you know, drinking when you're, you're not thirsty, eating properly, the right kind of food, blah, blah, blah. You know your body. Yeah. So, okay,
0: so we're almost to the race that we want to talk about. But first, you did the Great Pacific Race in 2016? Correct, yeah. Foreman. Foreman. Talk about that experience a little bit.
1: I didn't have to buy your boat because we would rent a boat. You, It's a paper seat. So you pay your seat. They bring the boat here, the same Chris Martin. Yeah. And you have to put a team together, train together or apart, and then get on the boat and get to Hawaii. Now, I'm pretty competitive. I, I don't care if I don't... Win, but I'm going to do my best. Yeah. So I wanted to have a team in the in the boat that would do the same. I was going to train for two years hard because the one thing you don't want to be is not train enough so that after a week when you're tired, you're say, miserable. I should have trained more. You're yeah. going to be miserable anyway. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. okay. Fair but enough. But if you don't train enough, say, I should have trained enough and then negativity c- creeps in. Yeah. If you did your best training, then it's hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this. Yeah. You know, I trained hard going to hurt but so I wanted the people in the crew that would match the same level and and also I said well if I'm going to do this one in, once in my life let's go for the record you know the The record was 43 days it was done by a team two years before and I said oh, 43 days I think we could beat that if we beat the right people so I called my friend Thiago from Brazil I had done the Molcai Hoa twice with him uh-huh and and Chris Martin would Tell us, you know, there's this guy, you know, he wants to be in a crew, competitive, Uh, Let's talk to see if, you know, there's match of personalities. And I talked to Fionn from Iceland, and he had already crossed the Indian Ocean and and the Atlantic Ocean. He had a speed record for both of those. Amazing experience, amazing rower, strong as a bull. Okay, let's put it Mm -hmm. together. One more, we need one more. So Carlo from San Jose was a rower at UC Davis. He was a coach at UC Davis for 10 years. Okay, we got a team, and we're a team uniting nations. You know, Icelandic, French, (laughs) Brazilian, and American in the team.
0: And how did the personalities
1: mesh? So and so, so (laughs) and so. (laughs) (laughs) No I gotta say, what happens? The boat stays in the boat. It's really hard to put four people that have really strong person, not strong personality, but that are driven. Yeah. Four different personality and four cultures are different for languages in a
0: tiny space in tiny
1: space you're on top of each other you're yeah. sleep deprived you're, you're tired you're gonna you row you know, two hours on two hours up so there's something that happens no, ma- no matter what if it's two brothers something's got two wine whatever two happens. people any people. exactly yes. yeah i mean <laughs> That's small, so right? here's what i say. say like let's say we do on you and i yeah it's buy a van right pretty easy a van now we're gonna go two hours on you're, you drive two hours i drive two hours you drive two hours or 40 days in a row. But you can't get out of the van. You have to poop in the van. You have to pee in the van. You eat in the van. You have to sleep in the van. When you drive, I sleep. When you sleep, okay, two hours, and, and to make it a bit easier, we're going to cut the roof so that if it rains, <laughs> it rains in the van. Okay? And, and then, it's rocking back and forth uh, Yeah, the there's time. a guy that's pushing <laughs> it back and forth, right? You could be seasick, it's moving so much. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then you put it in the middle of the ocean where there's lack of communication. There's lack of even looking around there's no there's no air conditioning there's no just driving look at you know when you drive to LA don't you feel tired it's seven hours yeah well do that for 40 days so I have to ask is that the reason you want to do it alone <laughs> <laughs> no no I love people and in fact some are brothers one uh, there's one that is a hard hard but I yeah. learned a lot from the interaction with him so I don't regret it at all now you know, I've done all those races with other people, and I figured, okay, what's the next one? Maybe how would I do on my own? It's yeah. kind of a, a big question. It's pushing my, my envelope, uh, my, my really my uh, comfort zone for sure. I know I'm going to learn something. I don't know what exactly. Uh, maybe that <laughs> I'm going to speak about to myself after two days. <laughs> I create all the personalities <laughs> or whatnot. But, <laughs> you know, if you look at our world, when was the moment where you relied upon yourself? solely upon yourself.
0: We don't have those kind of opportunities. We don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were talking about before, so much of it is mental. I was looking at your site and was fascinated to see that you have a a whole team that's working with you. Amazing team. To get this project off the ground. And one of the people is a hypnotist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agiat. Tell me about that. (laughs) When you go in something that is so big, you don't know how to tackle. Because you can ask anybody He's a mental preparation. Okay, how do you prepare for this? Well it depends on your personality, it depends on your experience, it depends on what? so much things that I tried to knock at every door. Like, tell me how did you do it? You know, there's Carter Johnson, he's a big paddler here. I ask, how do you do those races? How do you prepare mentally? And I called Peter Bray, he crossed the North Atlantic, how did you do it? Scott Donaldson he crossed at Tasman Sea. how did you do it? Because you don't have answers. So you ask everywhere. And I was working in, in India, one of my businesses is to import products from india they're artisan made and we were on that tiny little village and there's this it was kind of a yoga retreat okay. a yoga and a meditation and so there's zazen meditation and and there's this guru called agiat you picture him like amazing big beard <laughs> and very peaceful and he says well i do hypnosis as well and hypnosis you know it's it's either to cure something that is in the past and it's a problem for you or it's also to prevent or to to help something happen in the future and what it does, it, 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 it touches your unconscious, mm-hmm. right? There's a conscious and unconscious. The conscious are the forces that dr- drive you unconsciously, obviously, but that have so much power over you. And, and if you like somebody has lack of confidence, he won't say, I'm not confident in myself. There's something that bothers him that makes him that he's not confident in himself. And it touches all that strength and the values that could be like self-esteem or all that stuff. Yeah. And the idea, he said, well, it's very easy. We're going to do one hour. For tomorrow morning, you have to do an a, a, a homework of writing down 10 sentences that you want to believe. And the first one is you're doing it. right? And he puts you in that state of, of hypnosis, which is basically you lay down on this table. And he walks you down for maybe 10 minutes to a very relaxed state almost sleeping very deep like deep relaxation state Mm. and then he he walks there's this background music a very uh, like yogi kind of thing and he says you're doing it you're doing it and then he walks on to the second second you know your instinct is powerful your instinct is powerful and then the third one you know and it goes to those 20 affirmation
0: So are you visualizing yourself
1: out there, or is it not that tangible? No, uh, it's, I don't know. I I mean, I came up with those sentences. Yeah. I wanted to feel strong. Yeah. It's how do you want to be? One is you're strong mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yeah. He recorded it with that microphone, same, same as you, and he sent me the... The, the tape and, you can listen. and he said listen to this for the next few months like repeatedly two three times a week and it worked i mean i don't know if this is what's going to make or break my crossing but now people ask me are you excited are you f- afraid and i'm not one or the other i feel serene like i'm doing this really I, I,
0: it's crazy yeah <laughs> that's fantastic well yeah. let's talk about this because you just showed me the boat that you're going to be paddling for days on end mm-hmm. across the Pacific. It's quite a vessel, but it is, it's small. And the space you live in is, is small. You had it built specifically for this. Yep. What are some of the things that you knew you wanted in the boat?
1: It's big for a kayak. Mm-hmm. It's 23 feet long, uh, but it's small for a boat. Yeah. The first thing was safety. I got two kids, 15 and 12. And I will show them that you can do anything you want. You can go after your dreams, but safety. You know, I don't want to die. I love life to the max. I don't want to die. I'm 40. I want to. I've got another 40 years in me, you know. So safety was, fir- was first. I looked at the the ocean kayaks that existed. There's less than 10 that have crossed oceans. Wow. So I looked, like I said, Scott Donaldson crossed the Tasman Sea from Australia to New Zealand. I called him. I spoke to him and said, Hey, your uh, your cabin this way your ventilation is this way what do you like that okay I spoke to Peter Bray Peter Bray crossed the North Atlantic from Canada to Ireland okay and he had a boat very similar to mine in fact I called him so you have to hunt those guys you know yeah he's in England over there it was 20 years ago he crossed in 2001 in 76 days and I called him say Peter uh, so did you like your boat what happened and he, I bought his book I read your book yeah, I love the boat, design's design is great, you know, the pros and cons. And I said, well, safety's great, yeah. It, you know, it showed that it was very seaworthy, it didn't capsize, okay. And that's really rough, the North Atlantic. Yeah. So he said, you should speak to uh, Rob Philoy. And at the same time, there's a paddler here called Sean Morley. He's, uh, he's British originally, and he went around England, uh, the whole UK, with, with a kayak for six months. Amazing paddler. And he said, wow. you've got to speak to Rob Philoy, he's a boat builder called him Rob can you build me a boat and he said well I'm retired that was 20 years ago <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't have a shop I don't even and I must have been convincing because he, s- he said yes <laughs> so he built me Valentin now called Valentin uh-huh. with the specs that were working and with the upgrades that I wanted okay one of them was based on the, the readings that I had done obviously Ed Gillette crossed here from Monterey to Hawaii in 1987 Yes. Read the book called The Pacific Alone. Everybody has to read this. Amazing. Legend. Amazing. Now, but that
0: book didn't come out that long ago. He did the crossing no, yeah, in 87, but it's a relatively new book. Right, right.
1: Yeah. He couldn't say his story. It was so intimate that he couldn't come yeah. out. And it was, this is my story. I don't even want to share it to anybody. Right. Some of the learnings that I had was, well, he, his leg w- when he arrived in Maui, were atrophied. Right. Couldn't walk. And they said, well, that's because you don't use your lower limbs. And... It's like having them on a cast for two months, right? right? So I said, okay, how can I change that? So looked into uh, a way to use my legs. Rowing, it's perfect because you use, you use upper body and the lower legs. Right. In fact, so
0: rowing uses more legs om- Exactly. Some ways, yeah, yep.
1: than arms. So I looked in, into kayaking, and there's uh, this company called Hobie. It's down here in, in I think, Oceanside, and yep. they have a pedal drive.
0: Just a little company called you Hobie. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> but they have a mirage drive. It's a pedaling drive. And I looked into it. I sent it to uh, to Rob Philo. I actually talked to them and say, "Can you send me? I'd like to retrofit my kayak, so I have it." And the reason is, Edgy Led said, "If I had done that trip ten times, I would have failed five times. That's 50% rate of success." And I said, "I don't want that. You yeah. Know, against safety. Because what happens? You know, paddling motion. You rotate the shoulders, the spine. There's so many movement on the shoulder, the elbow, the wrist that could go wrong. I mean, you paddle." 10 to 12 hours a day 14 if it's good conditions something could go wrong over hues tendons and we have trained a lot but tendons and joints could go wrong so if i have to stop pedaling i can't say it but excuse my french you know (laughs) i am (laughs) so i've got to quit i don't want to quit so i want i think the foot would be amazing to do two hours on the upper body two hours the lower body good good health
0: what speeds can you make with just the paddles? Uh, so right, right
1: now here? I've been paddling the kayak with only 600, 600 pounds mm-hmm. I estimate, but I'm doing like three knots. Okay, so pretty fast, really fast actually. Our average on the rowing boat, and we got the Guinness record, was 2.2. Wow. Average speed.
0: It'll so slow down a little bit when you get low. up I with don't gear? At night
1: I don't paddle, so yeah. I'll no. slow down and I no. lose that, um, that average speed. But the boat is really well designed that it goes downwind very well. So mm-hmm. once I catch the trade winds, I hope to make progress at night.
0: So you'll you'll go out of here, out of San Francisco Bay, out the Golden Gate, and head south, right? Or southwest. Uh, sou- southwest. Southwest. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: The idea is to make progress west, but because the wind is going to be on my right side, right, and mm-hmm. the waves as well, it's not going to be efficient to go parallel to the waves that's when i could capsize so yeah. i got to get a, a little angle okay so i'll go southwest so the first hurdle is going to be the continental shelf mm-hmm. basically it's like a reversed mountain it's like a valley off the coast that goes down three two thousand feet so it goes really really deep and the, the current is super strong so what you'll see on the map my map has the the depth of the, wa- uh, the water so once you'll see it goes into darker water you'll see that it's going to be really hard to make west progress i'll probably follow that invisible line for many miles and make a little progress a little progress that's going to be passing the continental shelf okay and then about 350 miles off the coast maybe at the height of los angeles so a little bit further south even then i'll catch the trade winds and then it should be more favorable
0: even though you don't have sails up the wind will give you quite a quite a boost in terms of mileage yes because the
1: the boat is made for going downwind it'll be pushed by the wind yeah definitely and that's that's part of the the reason why it's even possible to go to hawaii if you want to come from hawaii to california on a rowing boat it's not possible i mean somebody hasn't done it yet but it's really really grueling because the wind pushes you Yeah, like you make 20 miles and During the day, you lose them during the night.
0: Which is a good point. So you're not going to be rowing all the time. You have to get some sleep. What do you do at night so you don't lose (coughs) all your mileage?
1: The first two or three weeks, the wind is going to push me south. Uh, could even push me back to the coast. If it's unfavorable, I put a sea anchor on the water. It's a big parachute with a long line of 200 feet, and that slows me down. Now I can still make regress. In the morning, I have to paddle harder and go back. Hopefully, I make more mileage than I lost. And hopefully, the wind will be more favorable another day and just keep going. Now, if it's favorable and not too big of a waves and wind, then I just let it go and drift. Now, for safety, if it's bigger seas, I would have to put a drogue. It's a small uh, wind, uh, how do you say, the wing sock? Yeah, you know, yeah, sock, like
0: that. yeah. It's got a little hole. It's like a parachute with a hole in the More of a cone. More of a cone, yeah, yeah. Yeah
1: and that slows me down but not too much that just puts the boat perpendicular to the wave so that you go up and down and that is safe it, it just steers the boat basically yeah now if it's really big and it's a stormy you just put the sea anchor it's a big big parachute stops you almost and then that's safer you just wait it out the boat has ballast for sure
0: you were telling me it has lead yes it doesn't have a keel but it has lead in the bottom so yeah. it's heavy on the bottom and self riding right correct but I w- imagine you expect p- probably you'll get rolled out there at some point.
1: Yeah, so it's not like a storm comes out of nowhere. Uh, I've got a router that's going to tell me the the progression, progression of the weather patterns. Yeah. Uh, every day is going to tell me you know the size of the waves, the frequency of the waves, the amplitude of the waves, the reaction and the strength of the wind, all that stuff. So I know that in 6 hours the wind is going to be bad. So if yeah. it's above I don't know exactly but I think the threshold is going to be 15 to 18 knots of wind. It's safer for me as a rower because I'm solo to the water to go in the cabin and wait it out. Now, there's there could be rogue waves that are not following the main pattern of waves that come out of nowhere, like f- as fast as a horse and bang, I mean, that could flip me. Now I'll be attached on the boat at all times uh, with a tether, a security tether and you know, I'll fall in the water, the boat will step right in and go back up. It's not going to be fun. Everything's going to be chaos in the cabin, in the cockpit. I might lose some stuff that is not attached. It's mentally is going to be giving me a toll because then I'm going to be looking over my shoulders for that next one that could come. You know, and if it's in the night, it's even worse. You might be sleeping and bang. Yeah. Fuck. Excuse my French. <laughs> I had to say it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it warrants that
0: <laughs> you said you feel serene you don't feel a sense of elated excitement or dread but what are the things that you think about at night when you're like okay am I ready for that am oh I yeah I wake up these
1: that? days with 20 days to 24 days to go I wake up more m- most every day at 4 o'clock in the morning waking up like did I do this did I try this enough mm. Oh, I should do this, and I have a list of three, four things I want to do during dr- that day. You know, it could be little things. I need a paddle holder, okay. Oh, the vent, is it going to work? Like, do I need to connect? Is it, did I put it, make it waterproof enough? Is the dagger boards? Okay, where do I store it? Do I need to put a storage? Mm-hmm. So many little things. In fact, that's why COVID has been a blessing in disguise, because I've had the boats for six, seven months. Yeah, so you were planning to do this. Talk about
0: mental fl- flexibility last year. right.
1: Well, you remember when I told you the first Great Pacific Race, I couldn't do it. Right. And I said, well, okay, it's meant for a reason. And I'll just do it in two years. The ocean will always be there. Same thing happened. COVID happened. And I was like, okay, the boat. Because it happened at three days, four days. March 27th, I had booked a container ship from England. The boat was supposed to be lo- loaded in it and come our way. March 24th lockdown in England. And uh, we didn't have a lockdown here in the U.S. yet. You remember, it was like two weeks later. And then we say, OK, well, this thing is going to last maybe two weeks. Right. <laughs> three, That's three what weeks. we were all thinking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, a couple of weeks, we'll be back. A couple back. weeks. I mean, they're going to open the container and ship it here. And, and the months, weeks ke- went by and it was like, OK, I'm losing the window of, to take off. So it's going to be next year. What am I going to do for a year? I was fit. I had gained my twenty pounds that I wanted to gain. <laughs> what do I do when I was this <laughs> this belly? <laughs> I mean, let's go to adventure. So I went down the Sac River, the whole length of the Sac River. Uh-huh. The day I was supposed to take off, which was May or May thirtieth, thirty first actually. I said I need to do something. Yeah. Because I was really like mentally and so I, I got a sea kayak and I actually went up to Reading and I said, I'm gonna go down all the way to Golden Gate. It took me nine days. Miles what, a, what
0: an interesting trip that must have been. Everybody's locked down, and here you are going down the Sacramento yeah, River. Yeah, so
1: I called Carter, uh, whom I mentioned to you, and said, Hey, how about a paddle from here to Sacramento? Yeah, it's fun. You could do it. There's going to be a lot of wind in the Delta, but uh, yeah, I've done it. Do it. Then I spoke to John Dye, another friend paddler. He said, Well, you know, the down the, the river from Redding to Sacramento is really cool. It's really fun. And I said, Well, I'm going to match both is it possible Yeah, probably a few paddlers have done it but i don't remember but you should do it so i studied the map and there you go i got my sleeping bag in the kayak when the whole length
0: and you just pull out on shore and, and yeah sleep?
1: yeah completely and un- and un- unprepared spontaneity to the max love i'll that. sleep on the shore there's a sandbar here it looks good okay let's <laughs> go <laughs>
0: A whole nother adventure. You didn't even mention that in your line, in your <laughs> run-up of races. <laughs> well, <laughs> because race. I was last
1: year. And then I called this friend. say, well, you know, he's, he's a captain here in Sausalito. Mm-hmm. He was actually in the chase boat during the race for safety. And I called him and said, Rod, I need experience at sea. You know, I need to go back and see the swell. I, need, I want to right. understand how the sea evolves between eight knots of wind, 10, 15, 20, how it builds up. And what is my threshold for safety? So he said, well, i have to bring this boat. It's called the Baja Bash uh, from was Ensenada. I know it's, uh, well, some town down there in Mexico and bring it up to to the coast. It's going to be 10 days, 1,000 nautical miles. And it's going to be two hours on, two hours off. You want you're it? Well, let's go.
0: What kind of boat was that?
1: Uh, the first one was a sailing boat, a 40-foot boat. And you mostly do engine. You don't really sail because you're upwind. Right, you're going right into yeah, it's the wind. Yeah, that's why it's called the Bash. It's yeah. like bash, bash. It's not very fun. <laughs> Then I remem- remembered that I was actually seasick, so I got seasick three, four days. <laughs> um, and that was good. And I did it again on a, it was a catamaran. That was good experience at sea. And that, like that's what I wanted. I wanted to play with the plotter, look at the container ship coming closer, contact them on the VHF. All that stuff, I wanted to be reminded of how it is.
0: Now, have you had this boat in the ocean, the kayak?
1: I went out the gate just once. I didn't go out. I did many days in the bay where I would anchor on a buoy and slip in it and find out how it was and actually bu- uh, anchored it uh, on a buoy when it was like 40 n- knots of wind mm-hmm. gusting 50. That was scary, but I, could, I got a good learning experience. Yeah. That's something that I want to do. I actually had planned to go from here to Monterey three days, but the wind has been so strong s- last days that yeah. I wouldn't be far enough from the coast to my likings that the, the wind, if it shifted on me and couldn't bring back to the, the, the rocks, that I, didn't, I haven't done it yet.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be a great way to <laughs> start, not even start. Well, soon enough, you'll get those Oh, <laughs> yeah, sea yeah. <C> miles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, I spoke to Antonio de la Rosa. He's a guy who did on the standard paddle last year from here to Hawaii. Okay. No, two years ago, actually. It was in 2019. Uh, he had a support boat? No. He had a similar boat as mine, but he was paddling like a stand-up paddler. Okay. So he was standing up. Okay. And he said, you know what? There's nothing you, you can't learn in two weeks. You'll be at sea. You'll learn very fast. Yeah. So, yeah, he said, you know, get as much time as you can in the boat. It's the best training. And then you'll be fine. You'll learn on the, on the way. You've already done erosion rowing. You'll kayak. That's your sport. Uh, just, you'll be fine.
0: And you mentioned that you got seasick on the Baja Bash. Do you get seasick at all kayaking? Have you ever gotten yeah. seasick? In
1: the I did another adventure last year, which was uh, crossing Lake Tahoe. I wanted to cross Lake Tahoe and Mono Bay in the same day. <laughs> so I did, woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, crossed Lake Tahoe on my sea kayak, then jumped on a. Uh, I had a support friend who put that on his boat, on his car, drove all the way to Santa Cruz. And I was to cross the Monterey Bay that day. Too windy, not safe. Oh, bummer. So, okay, I'll do it tomorrow morning. Next morning at 6 a.m., we left super foggy. And I got seasick crossing the Monterey Bay in a kayak. Because there was still swell left over. Yeah, there was a big swell, uh, like one of those rolling swells that was yeah. not from behind. It was kind of three-quarter on your right. And I puked. I was like, whoa, I'm seasick. I didn't think I was going to be seasick. So I I will probably be seasick on on my kayak here,
0: and you just power through it and you're, you're yeah yeah you well you know this are you one doing anything about it or you're just going to yes. say yeah yeah yeah
1: this this one crossing was five hours I didn't have any patch beyond the ear right. yeah. so I said okay I'll just go push it you know I was with a friend who was on a outrigger canoe yeah. just go all the way that's it now I'll have a patch on this one okay. yeah I'll have a patch yeah I mean I mean you you vomit and then you feel better yeah. You got to really make sure you rehydrate for yourself to hydrate. Uh, if you can't eat anything solid, make sure you hydrate with electrolytes. That brings us to uh, food and water. So, what are you
0: taking? You, you mentioned you'll have 600 pounds yeah. of gear.
1: Yeah, 240 pounds right now okay. of food. Huh? And I calculated, so I estimated the crossing to be 70 days. And I went with the same system that I did on the first crossing, which is. 6,000 calories, kilocalories, sorry, of food per day. Okay. Okay. And we'll probably spend 8,000, so I'll be at a deficit and I'll lose weight. So that's why I bulked a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. I lost 15 pounds on the first crossing in 40 days, so I estimated I'll probably lose 20 to 25. I need to eat a lot. Yeah. So 6,000. You need
0: energy-dense food.
1: Correct, yeah. So, But weight and space is a a, a biggie for me because it's so small. So I got freeze-dried food. That i just rehydrate and then there was this company called standard process that i heard colin obrady is this adventurer he crossed antarctica on on skis and he on a podcast that i listen adventure podcast you know we love podcasts don't yeah. we oh we, oh, we, love, we do love yeah. it.
0: especially <laughs> out the gate sailing podcast. exactly that's how we there get we <laughs> inspired
1: right so he talks about that company and he one of his issues was because he was pulling a sled on on skis that he needed to have food that would be co- very dense in, in calories. And he had this bar. It's 550 calories. Uh, so compact. That it's a meal, basically. And that was made with this company that actually added nutrients that he would be deprived of. Vitamins and, and bio, um, good fat and stuff. So I contacted them out of the blue and they sponsored me. They gave me the bars. That's great. For the crossing, yes. Fantastic. And amazing company.
0: You'll probably hate them by the end of the uh, trip. Yeah, I'll <laughs> eat four a day. <laughs> four a day. And these,
1: they're so heavy. They're, but they, they're good. They're really yeah. good. So I said, okay, I'm going to have these bars, which is it's great. Ba- it's got
0: to be better than drinking olive oil, which is what I hear with some of these ultramarathoners yeah. do. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> there's another way of having good fat. Is uh, There's a, a thing called MCT oil. Okay. Uh, it's a medium chain uh, triglyceride, I think, something like this. And the one I eat is, is powder form. It's a powdered oil. Okay. And it's a very good fat extract of, um, of um, coconut oil. It's very easily accessible by your body and you, you um, digest it well. And it's a good, good uh, source of, of calories. So you just put a scoop on your on your mouth and dissolve right away. And I tried this brand on my first crossing. Loved it. So I have four, four of those. Right. Uh, but then snacks, you know, uh, f- uh, dried fruits and, and, and chocolate.
0: <laughs> Ch- gotta have the chocolate aboard. Oh my God! Give Yourself yeah. a little treat. <laughs> what haven't we talked about? Do you want to
1: tell people about the trip? So one thing I like to say is, it's not related to to that trip in particular, but it's 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 a, b- a philosophy of life. Yeah. Everybody lo- try to find happiness, right? It's what makes you happy, and we don't know. We is it a better job? And once I have a better job, a better salary, we could go more on vacation. Then I have a better car, a bigger house, you know, better. But then you don't know, really. I mean, can you give me a definition of happiness or success? It's hard. So my philosophy is find something that makes you vibrate. My friend Thiago is like this, vibração, Portuguese. I love it. It's like, (laughs) you know, it's vibration, vibration. It's when you feel so good, like, I love this. And it could be paddling. It could be taking pictures of a butterfly, it could be holding your grandma in the park, like I love this, like having fun with your friends, could be teaching your your kid how to ride a bike, whatever makes you vibrate, that's a trigger, that's, do more of that, and more of that, and different, and new, and adventure, and that, you know, and that's it, look for vibration. (laughs) I love it, what a great
0: (laughs) note to end on, look for vibration,
1: make your life vibrate.
0: Well, thank you, Cyril. This was fantastic to talk to you, and I wish you the best of luck. We'll be following on your website. We yes. There's a live tracker,
1: right? SoloKayakToHawaii.com. There's There's live tracker with a map where there's my beacon is gonna update every hour. Okay. And right under there's a map with the wind pattern, so you could check the wind and the weather and you know the the waves, all that stuff. And imagine right? that we're out there being battered with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll see you in Hawaii for a Mai Tai or a pineapple. <laughs> see you there. That sounds lovely. Thanks a lot, Ben. Well,
0: that wraps up this week's episode. As Cyril mentioned, you can follow his journey at solo kayak to and You can also find him on Instagram at Cyrildx. C-Y-R-I-L-D-X. You can also find me. And a link to the podcast on Instagram at OutTheGateSailing. Of course, you can always reach me directly via email at OutTheGateSailing at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners who enjoy the program. Many of you have reached out already, so thank you. I also encourage you to rate the program and leave comments in Apple Podcasts, which will help even more people find the show. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer Until next time, smooth sailing.